It's Monday, April 6th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Health officials are warning, this is going to be an especially tough week. And today, an internal watchdog report is highlighting just how desperate hospitals are. We'll explain. Then, the United Nations is warning that reported incidents of domestic violence are on the rise during the pandemic. We'll look into why that is. And finally, we share a few ways you can say thanks to healthcare workers near you. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block Tax Pro Go, expert tax prep without the office visit. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts, and we're going to help you sort out what exactly you need to know starting with the three big developments of the day. It might only be Monday, but even before today, we knew it was going to be a tough week. Yesterday, the Surgeon General Jerome Adams stopped by a couple of the Sunday morning shows with a serious warning. We need you to stay at home. This is going to be a hard week. It's going to test our resolve. It's going to be uh, the hardest week of our lives. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment, only it's not going to be localized. It's going to be happening all over the country. And I want America... So far, 1.3 million people around the world have tested positive for COVID-19, and more than 70,000 people have died. In the U.S. alone, more than 10,000 people have died. And unfortunately, like the Surgeon General said, it's just going to get worse. That assessment was confirmed this morning in a report from the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services. It's been hard to know how many hospitals exactly are dealing with COVID-19 patients. But HHS did a random survey of over 300 hospitals across the country and found that about three-quarters of them are already treating COVID-19 patients. It's the first analysis from the government that looks at how the country's hospitals are coping with the outbreak. Their conclusion? Hospitals are in really tough shape. First, there are a lot of severe shortages, from tests to personal protective equipment like face masks and gloves, to actual doctors and nurses. These shortages are putting both medical workers and patients at risk. Second, hospitals could be running out of money. Since there are so many extra emergency room patients and not enough elective surgery patients who usually help pay the bills. And third, hospitals said they've been getting mixed messages from federal, state, and local officials on issues like which patients should get tested, whether they can get supplies from the national stockpile, and even potential ethical concerns like which patient gets a breathing machine if there aren't enough to go around. These inconsistencies have led to a, quote, greater sense of confusion, fear, and distrust. The report says that hospitals are coming up with their own solutions to some of their problems. They might be training doctors and other specialties to help patients on ventilators. They might be offering more medical guidance over the phone than usual. And they might be using non-traditional supplies in place of medical equipment. That last one will, quote, come back and bite us, according to one hospital administrator quoted in the report. The administrator said they're throwing all of their best practices out the window. Not exactly reassuring. Now, hospitals are asking the government for more help, namely more resources, more money, and more communication. A spokesperson said that Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar is already working on it. As we head into this hard week, we really hope he is. Our second headline today involves what happens after a COVID-19 outbreak hits its peak. 
President Trump tweeted this morning that there's light at the end of the tunnel. But let's be clear, the U.S. isn't quite there yet. By one estimate, we're 10 days away from seeing the most COVID-19 deaths in a single day. And that assumes social distancing measures are strictly followed nationwide until the end of May. End social distancing too soon, and this outbreak could come right back. Even still, politicians and health experts are starting to figure out what needs to get done before lockdowns are loosened up. So what's on the checklist? Well, one country trying to figure out what comes next is Italy. For a little while, Italy was the epicenter of this global outbreak. Almost 15,000 people have died there, and flags are flying at half-staff this week to memorialize the dead. And yet, there are now glimmers of hope. On Sunday, Italy reported its lowest death toll in two weeks, and hospitals are starting to see fewer intensive care patients. Even though Italy's not out of the woods yet, its health minister is talking about how to, quote, create the conditions to live with the virus. Italy is reportedly calling this phase two of the outbreak. It's about slowly returning to daily life without causing another big outbreak. The details are still TBD, but social distancing will definitely stay in place for a while. But Italy's health minister says he has a plan for what life will look like once lockdown restrictions ease up. That includes increasing use of PPE. In Italy and the US, there have been big shortages in PPE. And that will probably have to be fixed before people go back to work, where they could easily spread or contract this disease again. Another thing Italy wants to have is more testing and contact tracing. Since a lot of people who have COVID-19 don't have symptoms, tests are needed to clear people as healthy before they can go back to their normal lives. And experts warn the U.S. isn't there yet. And contact tracing is even more complicated. It involves figuring out detailed travel histories for people with COVID-19 and then tracking down and quarantining people they could have infected. In the U.S., only Massachusetts has started doing contact tracing. So getting this up and running nationwide could take a while. And finally, Italy wants to set aside certain hospitals as special facilities for COVID-19 patients. That will help make sure sick patients get the specialized care they need. Meanwhile, the U.S. is still building field hospitals to create more space to treat COVID-19 patients. So this could take some time, too. How long are we talking? Italy's health minister says it's too early to say when restrictions could be lifted. After all, the steps we just laid out don't happen overnight. Unlike in Italy, states in the U.S. are figuring out how to deal with this outbreak one by one. Florida's governor wants things to get back to normal by the end of April, while Virginia is planning to remain on lockdown until June 10th. But experts caution, those dates aren't solid until we know more about the extent of this outbreak. So until we can get more testing, PPE is more readily available, and hospitals can get things back under control, phase two might still be a ways away. Which brings us to our third big story of the day. At least half of the world is on lockdown. That means almost 4 billion of us are at home. And United Nations Chief Antonio Guterres says that could be a dangerous place for some people. Over the past weeks, as economic and social pressures and fear have grown, we have seen a horrifying global surge in domestic violence. That's Guterres in a video release late last night calling for countries around the world to address rising rates of domestic violence. The UN says that since the pandemic began, calls for help have doubled in Lebanon and Malaysia. In China, it says that number has tripled. 
But this isn't just a problem abroad. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues, many domestic violence shelters are seeing a spike in cases. COVID-19 is prompting a surge in domestic violence in central Indiana. In places like Bellevue and Seattle, domestic violence is up. Law enforcement in cities across the country say domestic violence is rising. So what is it about stay-at-home orders that's causing this uptick? One way to look at it is that, in most places, victims, usually women and kids, are trapped at home with their abusers. That much time together would strain any relationship, but these aren't just any times. Advocates say financial stress is a major factor here. Studies show that abusers are more likely to hurt their partners after financial setbacks, like losing a job. Isolation is already a tactic that abusers are known to use. But now there are reports that COVID-19 is helping them take it to the next level. The Wall Street Journal reports that some women say their partners aren't letting them leave the house, even to grocery shop. Others say they could be kicked out of their homes if they get sick. In some ways, COVID-19 is creating a uniquely tough situation for victims. But we have seen things like this before. Megan O'Donnell helps run the gender program at the Center for Global Development. She says even without a pandemic, one out of three women already experience some form of sexual or physical violence. What COVID-19 is doing that all pandemics do is to exacerbate, to magnify some of these injustices that, that pre-exist. That said, some organizations say their phones actually aren't ringing off the hook. The National Domestic Violence Hotline says it's still getting the same number of calls as usual, but that could be a reason to worry too. The organization's chief executive says people might not be reaching out because they can't break away from their abusers to call. Advocates started ringing alarms weeks ago, but it feels like people are just starting to pay attention and ask, what's happening to all the women who are trapped at home with their abusers? Early numbers show it might not be good. COVID is shedding light on something that is always a health crisis, something that is always a crisis. We have a magnifying glass put on it now, but these are issues that even if we are fortunate enough to come out of this period of, of human history, having resolved a health crisis, we can't go back to business as usual and forget you know, that women are, are experiencing these things on a regular basis every day. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there are things you can do. We put the numbers for two hotlines in our show notes. One more thing. Now, just to bring you some breaking news from the UK. Uh, this is from 10 Downing Street. Some breaking news about Boris Johnson's condition. We learned this afternoon that British Prime Minister Boris Johnson was transferred to an intensive care unit as he battles COVID-19. A spokesperson said Johnson was first admitted to the hospital on Sunday after showing persistent symptoms and that his condition later worsened. Johnson is the most high-profile world leader to have contracted COVID-19. And depending on how things go here, he may be the first to have to turn over governing duties to someone else. Johnson has asked his foreign secretary, Dominic Robb, who's kind of like Britain's secretary of state, to take over for him, quote, where necessary. Though it's unclear whether Johnson is currently able to govern or not. Johnson is 55 years old and announced 10 days ago that he tested positive for COVID-19 after he began feeling symptoms. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. To keep up to date on the latest news about COVID-19, head on over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. Have you filed your taxes yet? H&R Block is here to help. 
H&R Block's TaxPro Go is the easiest way to have an expert do your taxes for you. Upload your tax docs and H&R Block will match you with a tax pro who fits your needs. To learn more, go to hrblock.com skim. That's hrblock.com s-k-i-m-m. It's better with Block. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about thanking your healthcare workers and essential employees. You may have already been a part of this. Every evening, people around the world are cheering in their neighborhoods to show their appreciation. Pretty cool, but turns out there are other active ways to say thanks. Like sidewalk chalk. Near New Orleans, which has been hard hit by the outbreak, the Associated Press reported that anonymous messages written in chalk are being left on the sidewalks outside one of the local hospitals with messages like, you are extraordinary, or if you're leaving, thank you, rest well. If you can't leave your home, there are still ways to show your gratitude over Twitter, using the hashtags healthcareheroes, clap for carers, and we applaud. Because in tough times like these, it's nice to say thanks to the people who are making our lives a little easier. And feel free to get creative. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week, we're sending out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. Hi, my name is McKenna, and I just want to do a shout out to my father. It's my birthday tomorrow, Dad, and I'm really sad I don't get to see you, but... It's been 10 months since I donated and you received a kidney, so we're going to play it extra extra safe and stay home. Um, So to all of you kidney or other organ receivers out there, um, just know it's still a gift back to us when you stay healthy and stay safe always, but especially in times like this. So stay safe, everyone. Stay aware. And most importantly, stay hydrated. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we want to hear your shout-outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. For more updates throughout the day, follow us on Instagram at The Skim. 